This is the Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. This is Dr. Sean Benzinger. Uh, welcome to the program. It's nice to have you with us. Uh, today we're here interviewing Dr. Jolene Brighton. She is the author of Beyond the Pill, a 30-day program to balance your horm- hormones, reclaim your body, and reverse the dangerous side effects of the birth control pill. Dr. Brighton, welcome to the program. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me here today. Well, you know, I always thought that the pill was safe. Uh, me too, when I took it for 10 years. <laughs> uh-huh. Isn't it something that um, you know you got a 14-year-old, 16-year-old girl having struggles, and all of a sudden they just hand them that and say, here, this will take. Cramps go away. Nobody says anything else. It's mm-hmm. amazing when you investigate it. So when your book came across my desk, as I had mentioned earlier, um, it was like, uh, yes, let's make sure that she's on the show and gets to talk about this because the amount of women on the pill from a very young age, I don't know what the numbers are. You probably do. So let's just talk about it. How many people are, or how many women are on the pill at this point in our best estimation? Well, right now, if you're speaking about the United States alone, it's about 11 million women. So uh, that's quite a few women. And just like you were saying, you know, we've come to understand through the research that more than half, in fact, almost 60% of women are primarily using hormonal birth control for symptom management. So painful periods, heavy periods, acne, irregular periods. And um, as you and I know, this is a bit of a problem because we need to understand why women have these symptoms. And should they choose to use hormonal birth control? Of course, that's 100% their right. But it is also their right to understand their body. You mean like actually knowing what it does and doesn't do? Because I have interviewed literally, I mean, doing radio for 21 years, I have interviewed literally thousands of of d- different um, professors, uh, members in the medical community, um, and none of them talk about sitting down and explaining what the pill does and potential side effects and what this might mean year after year after year. So again, Tell us a little bit. I want to just back up. Tell us just a little bit why you wrote the book, because I really I didn't ask that right up front, which I I know Miss Baker will probably give me a chewing for. But let's let's go back and just why would you write the book? What got you so interested? Oh, yeah. So, you know, as I said, I had spent 10 years on hormonal birth control. So I used the pill for 10 years. Really grateful to have it. I'm a first generation college student because of it. But nobody ever explained to me that you can only get pregnant like one day out of the month on your fertile day or in this fertile window, um, which is, you know, how long sperm can live. So this was something that, um, you know, I, as I went through this journey with hormonal birth control personally, there was a lot of things I didn't understand. And when I was a young girl, I had these heavy, painful periods. I took the pill, voila, they were gone. So I thought I was fixing my problems. Then I come off of hormonal birth control. I end up with what I've termed post-birth control syndrome for the first time in my life. My period's missing. I have cystic acne. And leveraging my nutritional biochemistry background and being in naturopathic medical school, I figured it out. And I got my period back and I cleared my skin. And I thought it was the only one that struggled Mm -hmm. until I went into clinical practice. 
and which I came to understand and observe that the majority, if not all women struggle to break up with hormonal birth control. And I got a reputation. Now this is the funny part is that I had spent two years in doing clinical rotations in a homeless youth clinic. And that's a lot of birth control prescribing. And after that, when I started my private practice, I said to my husband, I'm never going to talk about birth control again. Like I don't, I don't want to, I'm so boring. I don't want anything to do with it. It's, um, and, uh, then I got this reputation where my patients, women would call my office and saying, I heard you're the doctor who believes women's birth control stories, which always struck me as odd in the wow. beginning until I started talking with them and realizing that if they, if they got an IUD paste placed and they had new onset of anxiety, that they would go to their doctor and their doctor would dismiss them. That if they came off of birth control and suddenly found that for the first time in their life they had acne or they were having mood swings or regular periods, like their doctor would say, well, it's probably not birth control's fault and you should get right back on it. So, you know, this is something I have to say, you know, thank you to my patients for trusting in me and for being my best teachers because I because of them dove into the research and, um, you know, I've shared before that like there was a lot of tears as I wrote this book at times, as I got even deeper into research and realizing like there is just so much we're not being told. And it's because of my patients, I was able to develop protocols to support women, keeping their body safe. If they choose to use birth control, help them transition off, avoid post birth control syndrome, But the book is also called Beyond the Pill because as we know, women can go to their doctor and complain of, you know, any female problem and be offered hormonal birth control. I wanted to give them solutions beyond the pill, root cause solutions to help them understand their body advocate to their doctor, get the correct lab testing and understand, you know, how to work with their body, that this story in medicine, that your symptoms are your body's way of betraying you. I wanted to reframe your symptoms are your body's way of communicating to you. And you have an opportunity there to really heal yourself. Right on. I love it. I love it. And, and I'll tell you, you are not and you will not be the last uh, doctor that, number one, gets dragged back into something they think they don't want to do. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, find out that there's not only um, um, something there, but there's also a mission to be done. And mm-hmm. to me, this book is a mission. Let me ask you something before we get to the, because what's really interesting is I'm looking through questions that we're going to be covering. It's kind of like, um, okay, so this, uh, why does birth control destroy this part of your body? Why does, how does it affect this? And why does it mess up? That? It's kind of like, well, it's not just one thing, is it? It's just kind of like goes on and on and on, which is kind of freaky because we give it out kind of like candy. I mean, 11 million totally. women, that's candy. It's just no problem. Hey, your symptoms gone. We've done a great job. See you later. And by the way, we'll treat you for the rest of your life for every disease you come up with because you're on the pill for 26 years. And by the way, you might become infertile. It's it's like well, okay. and I joke. You you know what you just said right there about we give it out like candy. I joke that like with our understanding of what sugar does in the body now, we're more cautious with giving out candy than we are with giving out the birth control pill. That's right. That's right. It's got right next uh, birth control candy. You cannot have that candy, sweetie. <laughs> But here, we'll give you some birth control. It's 14 years old. You might have a symptom here eventually. So there you go. <laughs> so so um, have you gotten any pushback being oh, that doctor? Sure. Because, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden you're going to create a lot of work for a lot of other docs that kind of like have to actually answer the question of, I heard from this really bright lady, Dr. Brighton, who's kind of pointed out all these bad things. Is that true? 
And mm-hmm. I'm going to wonder, what have you been hearing from the medical folks? Yeah. Well, you know, I have to say, I've been talking about this uh, for years before the book came out. And there were there were a lot of haters and people who would come on, um, come to me and say, well, this isn't real. And, um, you know, the, what women are experiencing, that's not true. And, oh I, you know, I always push back with like, oh you know, we need to stop debating whether or not women are telling the truth about their body. And we need to start asking, why does one woman have a side effect and another woman doesn't? And, um, you know, I've been called a lot of things. Um, and, uh, Me in the too, medical just so you know, we're, yeah, yeah, I've been called a lot of things for different yeah, reasons, I'm sure. But, you know, within the medical community, I mean, there have been a lot of doctors supporting this book that are like, I always wondered. And actually, I had this suspicion. <laughs> and, you know, I wasn't taught about this in um, – you know, medical school or residency. Yep. Right. I actually had one medical doctor. He said to me, um, you know, the way it works in our paradigm is that whatever we are taught in residency is like religion. And you're going to have to have a lot, a lot of studies to change someone's mind to which I'm always like, well, that's not science. Science stays curious. Science stays humble. Ooh. And that's how we learn uh, to do better. You challenged, man. You did it. <laughs> You challenge the thought process out there. And that's that's you're not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to just hand this out and everybody's supposed to be okay. Yeah. I mean, and really, we saw this. um, There was a major blowback when a 2016 study came out of over a million women showing that if you started hormonal birth control, you were 23 percent more likely to be be prescribed an antidepressant because of new onset depression. (laughs) And there was a lot of pushback, major news sources, doctors, scientists coming out saying, yeah, but that's just a mild relative increased risk. And it's like 23 percent. Right. And they were quick to dismiss it. And yet this is a symptom that women have been complaining of since the introduction of the pill. It's in the package insert, but it just, you know, it really highlighted the medical gender bias that is now I mean, becoming very well documented to mm-hmm. which that medical schools are changing their curriculum. Women are more likely to have chronic pain dismissed. They are more likely to walk into emergency room having a heart attack and be told their symptoms are in their head, that they're having a panic attack and be sent home. I mean, Women are more likely to receive inadequate medical care for what they're reporting because of these stories that go around in medicine. And that's all they are, is there's these old stories that have been told. So that same study took the data and came out you know, the next year showing that our teenage girls are at much higher risk of committing suicide when they start hormonal birth control. That was about the point where we saw a little less pushback of like, wait, we start these young girls and within two months they could be committing suicide because it has such an impact on the female brain. We've got a long way to go in medicine. And really, you know, it's something where I've had a lot of doctors say, you know, why, why didn't you start conducting studies and start putting, you know, start getting this medicine into doctors' hands. And I challenge them to say, we know statistically speaking, it's going to take 15 plus years for a study to come out and actually integrate into women's health. I mean, depending on the age of the woman, she may not even be menstruating anymore. I mean, when when that happens. And so what I really sought to do is I'm like, we need change in women's medicine and it starts with the women. And so I put the medicine in their hands in this book to really help women be able to have an intelligent and informed discussion with their doctor. I mean, if every single woman goes to their doctor saying, 
I have heavy periods and I'd like to know if we can investigate these things that I didn't know could cause that rather than putting me on the pill. Can we understand if this is why like that's going to help shift that clinician's practice. And, you know, this is a, a big way to actually make some change at the, the ground up. Amen. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm in the front pew. I'm listening. Uh, you, uh, you're hundred percent right. So years ago, I interviewed a lady named Dr. Mariana Legato. You may mm-hmm. know her. She wrote a book called Eve's rib. Eve's rib was the first one to say, here's males, here's females. We're different. And she's the one that really started almost 28 years ago, pointing out that women have heart attacks different than men do. And it was based mm-hmm. on that initial book that a lot of things started to change. And she she almost left practice being in the medical field because they went after her for mm-hmm. just uh, the idea that maybe, uh, what is it, um, some of the diagnostic tests they do on women literally kill them at a higher rate than men. And she challenged all those things by the statistics that were present, hospital, hospital, trial by trial. So the truth of the matter is, here's the only thing I will say. If there would, would be a new drug or a new surgery, we wouldn't have to wait 15 to 20 years, would we? No. And it would be tested in trials on young men. And then they would say, well, it's the same for women. Which, Absolutely. You know, <laughs> Dr. Uh, Lara Bryden is another one. I, you know, another great physician. And she says all the time, we are not small men. Women are not small men. Right. And it's really born out of the idea that for decades, they've been doing research on young, healthy males. They're mm-hmm. usually guys who are in college trying to pay their bills <laughs> mm-hmm. and then saying this applies to a woman at any age. But like, how can it? We're cyclical creatures. Mm-hmm. Like we actually gestate and cultivate life within our bodies. Like we can recognize that there are some fundamental differences here. Well, apparently we're struggling with that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, <laughs> but up until not that many years ago, we had mostly a male dominated um, business model, which was medicine. Uh, that's mm-hmm. changed dramatically and continuing to, which is fabulous. My my son's in, in uh, just finished medical school and is in, in his, his internship, and he graduated with more women than men in the class. So these are starting mm-hmm. to change. But I remember interviewing some of the um, the pharma folks, and they said, well, um, and, and they actually made a law, as you already know about, I think 1992 or something like that, that they had to have a certain percentage. Well, they found a way to get around that too. Um, mm-hmm. So they're still not really doing research on an equivalent basis on women to men because they found ways to get around it. And you're citing all those reasons, and it just goes on and on, and it's just bad health care in my estimation. Totally. So, um, so now that we could do, oh, we're going to, we're going to reschedule this for seven hours. Cause we, we can do this for a while. <laughs> I think that's just right. Beyond the pill is just the beginning, but okay, let's get back to you and your book because uh, I didn't mean to drag us out too far, but I know no, it's an important I know conversation you know. to have. And I have, I, it's a lot of respect that you bring that up because a lot of people don't want to talk about that. Oh, um, yeah, not at all. Not at all. And, and unfortunately, it's what should be spoken about all the time. I think doctors shouldn't write scripts for medications that don't have equivalent studies on women as men, period, on women. I just think that mm-hmm. should stop. And if that stops, you're going to see them swing. But until that stops, and remember, women are starting to take over that marketplace. If that stops, 
the money stops, the money stops, everything else changes. So anyhow, mm-hmm. that's my recommendation. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, let's talk about uh, women and thyroids because um, the pill does have a dynamic effect on the whole body, every cell in the body. And mm-hmm. you've kind of cited certain organ systems we really need to pay attention to. And the amount of women who will come in in their 30s, 40s and say, I'm exhausted. I've done the blood work. My thyroid's fine. But I've been on the pill for 23 years, came off, had a kid, went back on it again. Tell me how that might relate. Yeah. And, you know, what you're bringing up right there is that, you know, women in their 30s are five to eight times more likely to develop a thyroid disease. So this is no this is no small matter. I mean, majority of my female patients have thyroid disease or hypothyroid. And the number one cause of that is Hashimoto's within the United States. So um, we no longer have an iodine deficiency issue, um, but it is it is rooted in autoimmunity. Now, there's a lot of ways. Like when I got into the research and started exploring how does hormonal birth control impact the thyroid? Because so many of my patients within their timeline were like, I started birth control pill within a year. I started having dry skin. I was having fatigue. I noticed I started to gain some weight. And, you know, these things, your thyroid disease is like so many other chronic conditions. They just creep up over time until you're like, oh, there's a major issue here. Now, hormonal birth control can induce uh, intestinal hyperpermeability, which is more commonly known as leaky gut, Mm -hmm. something medicine also used to say wasn't real. And then a lot, (laughs) go to PubMed. It's very much real now. Mm -hmm. And with that, you know, that is one of the key ingredients, so to speak. That's how I describe it in my book to developing an autoimmune condition. So you have leaky gut, you have the genes and you have a triggering event. Now, the triggering event for women can be starting hormonal birth control, stopping hormonal birth control, getting your period for the first time, having a baby, going through perimenopause or menopause, because it's these hormonal fluctuations that are part of the reason why us gals are at higher risk for autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. So that's one way we could have the triggering of an autoimmune condition and really hormonal birth control setting you up for that, that can lead to Hashimoto's, the autoimmune thyroid condition that leads to hypothyroidism. But it's even more than that because hormonal birth control depletes nutrients. Like we have known this for a very, very long time. And what's interesting to me is that, you know, as we were talking about with some of the pushbacks from doctors, you know, doctors will say, well, why are you telling women on women on hormonal birth control to take a prenatal or multivitamin? Like those don't even work. Those don't, you know, blah, blah, blah about supplements. And mm-hmm. I'll say to them, okay, so if you're going to prescribe your patient the diabetic medication metformin and we know it depletes B12, what do you tell your patient? Well, I tell them to take B12. Great. Okay. And if you're going to prescribe your patient a statin and we know it depletes CoQ10 and can be life-threatening, what do you tell them? Oh, I tell them to supplement with CoQ10. So if you're passing a woman the pill and we know it depletes magnesium, zinc, selenium, it's depleting B vitamins, CoQ10, why wouldn't you tell her to take these things, especially that when we understand that with typical use, birth control is only 91% effective and it depletes folate, something that we recognize is crucial to baby's development. That's usually the point where they change their mind and they're like, oh, actually, that's a really good idea. We should tell women this. Yes, we should. In fact, you know, there was a form of birth control that was formulated with folate at one point. Well, folic acid specifically, which doesn't work for Women with MTHFR, which I cover in the book. Now, if it's depleting these nutrients, like 
selenium, just for example, selenium, like you're not going to be able to produce thyroid hormone. If it's depleting things like zinc and vitamin A infecting vitamin D metabolism, you won't actually be able to convert that thyroid hormone into active hormone and get it in at the cellular level. So we actually require a healthy liver and a healthy gut to be able to convert inactive T4 to the active T3, which is your mood, your metabolism, your menses. It like rules your world. It is everything. It's your furnace. That's why if you don't have enough of it, you're cold. Mm -hmm. And yet hormonal birth control really compromises the health of your liver and your gut, which I outline within the book. I mean, there's a chapter dedicated to your liver and another dedicated to your gut because these are so fundamental in women's health. Now, add on top of that, that you are no longer getting progesterone. This is often overlooked. And for everybody listening, if you understand right now that contraceptives have synthetic progestin and that is nothing like progesterone, you're way ahead of most scientists and doctors who mistakenly think that women are getting progesterone. Now, this matters with thyroid because without adequate progesterone, we can't actually use our thyroid hormone at the cellular level. Couple that with hormonal birth control being inflammatory, making your cells rigid. And now you have another reason why you can't use thyroid hormone at the cellular level. So we're where does this leave women having symptoms, getting labs tested? Sometimes labs will show things, but often they'll be told your labs are normal. Nothing's wrong. You know, you need to eat right and exercise and stop stressing when in reality they have cellular resistance taking place. And we're not in a place in medicine where we can really diagnose that well and understand it. It's the same with Hashimoto's. We can measure antibodies. That's, that's the best test we have right now. But to really understand if you have Hashimoto's, we need to biopsy your thyroid like crazy and put it under a microscope. Now it's really invasive. Nobody wants to do that. I don't want that done on me. So nope. I'd never recommend that to a patient, but it is something that we have to understand that, you know, in medicine, while we know a lot more than we did in the 1950s, we still don't know a whole lot about the human body. We're still discovering anatomical structures. And uh, we've thrown in this uh, chemical in the mix that shuts down how your brain and ovaries communicate. It shuts down an entire system in your body. And I think for the most part, medicine's kind of had their head in the sand, like an ostrich, about some of these things because it's almost been taboo that you don't quite question women's women's rights to birth control. And I don't think we have to question their right, but I do think we need to question have we been giving them the full story. Amen. And let me ask you something. When you came out of school, how much of this was part of your education? Oh, what you man. just went through. Just just this because just this alone represents 40 to 70 percent of women 30 to 45 years old that are dealing with symptoms, I think, directly or indirectly. Yeah. You know, I, the, I have to say I'm a bit of a, a unicorn in medicine because not a lot of doctors have as extensive a nutrition background as I do. That is true. Yeah. You and, you had a, a wonderful advantage. You really did. Yeah, that totally. Really I mean, so when people, you know, there's been reviews coming up about the book and people are like, this is like food is medicine is like all throughout this book. And I'm like, yeah, that's my foundation. It's mm -hmm. like we need to use food first. And so, you know, I first learned about the nutrient depletions. I was probably on birth control like five or seven. Been here. Mm -hmm. 
and I was studying the clinical nutrition and nutritional biochemistry tracks. And that's where it came up of like, here's everything that oral contraceptives deplete. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, right. I, I've been popping this pill every day and I didn't know this. Now I will say that naturopathic physicians absolutely have a leg up when it comes to thyroid health. Yeah. Um, we go way more into thyroid ed- yeah, education. Thyroid, than- gut, uh, all those areas, honestly. Totally. But when it came to, you know, everything that's in the book that again, that's why I honor my patients, my best teachers. And it was my husband will tell you, it was a lot of weekends of locked in my office reading PubMed. Um, and I get into a rabbit hole. And so, you know, this whole thyroid connection, I've had a lot of doctors write me and they're like, you're the very first person I've ever seen put all of this together in mm-hmm. one place. And I'm like, that's kind of like, it's who I am. I have to ask why. And mm-hmm. when there's a bunch of puzzle pieces, I have to put them together. I have to have the full <laughs> picture on things. <laughs> I, I, well, we're awfully thankful that you have that problem then. That's for sure. Um, let's, let's go a little bit further into a few other areas of the book. And then one of those is going to certainly be um, just talking about, they're going to hear this this interview, they're going to think, oh my gosh, I got to get my daughter off. I got to get myself off. Uh, you know, they're, we don't want panic. We want them to understand and we want them to get the book and read this information beyond the pill. So that's the first thing I want to caution people because um, you make, and, and you're going to have some women that are going to hear literally every symptom you're talking about they've got. And they're mm-hmm. they're going to panic. Then they're going to go to uh, a general practitioner that doesn't think anything more of it and poo poo um, the idea that all these things are related. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, what would we tell those individuals of what process to work through as they're weaning off of this? Because you do have an understanding of first of all, you don't feel great because you come off of it, and I, I appreciate that because often it's not covered. So let's start there. So we come off of it because we want to. And now how do we guide our patients through this process? Because your book does a wonderful job. So they're going to be reading the book and then they're going to be trying to find somebody that actually they can work with. Yeah. Great question. And I want to say that if I did my job right and be on the pill for the women that are listening, you won't feel afraid and you won't make decisions based off of fear because that's so much what I came to observe is that, you know, women would be told, well, you know, there's a family history of ovarian cancer. You have to take the pill. It is the only way to prevent ovarian cancer. Then they're on it and they're afraid. And it's one way, but it's not the only way. And they hear these things about how bad the pill is. And they're like, I have to jump off right now. Or I, I think I'm going to have a stroke. And I try to out. <laughs> Outline all of those things so you can be so really it is i mean it, it is, is i mean it is it scares you it really does you don't know yeah there's a lot of scary side effects and yep. like fear is something you know medscape actually came out with a study recently they had done a survey of physicians and nurses and found that physicians actually said it was okay to lie to patients to get them to do treatment and nurses and it was it was a chunk of physicians like it was a oh, high percentage that's scary. and nurses were like no never okay and i was like this is why we need nurses yes that's like right. yes um and i get that like sometimes you know it, it could be very nuanced for doctors. Like we might be talking about like a life threatening condition that can be saved with a surgery and the patient's afraid. And I can understand that like physicians may feel that way. I personally, whenever I make decisions, I I come back to this place of like, okay, you're on your deathbed. Are you going to be okay with this? Like you have to like integrity is the only thing you enter this world with and it's the only thing you leave with. So I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. So let's talk about like, what what do we do? We come off of hormonal birth control and like, 
we don't want, you know, the hormonal chaos that can follow because, you know, for as long as you are on hormonal birth control, you were suppressing symptoms and, uh, you know, suppressing your ovarian function. And so we can expect that when you come off, there might be some hiccups there and there's some work to do, which I outline in the book that there are these five fundamentals that we really need to work on. And, you know, I wrote in the book, there's absolutely some intel when you're going to read about supplements in the book, supplement considerations, but you're also going to read over and over that the foundation is diet and lifestyle practices, because that is what is going to keep you healthy in the long run. That is the work. I mean, healing happens outside the doctor's office. It's what you put at the end of your fork. It's how you talk to yourself. It is how you move your body, how you're sleeping. Like you have that much power. And at one point we were disempowered and told that the only solutions were pills, whether those be pharmaceuticals or supplements, you know, those are one part of, you know, health, but they're not, it's not the full picture. So in those five fundamentals, you know, number one is that we've got to replenish nutrient stores. You're going to need to eat a whole foods diet, have anti-inflammatory fats coming in because ladies, you do not build your hormones. And we go through this. There's a chapter called the lowdown of your hormones, where I teach you how you actually make your hormones and what each of those do in your body. And you have to understand that cholesterol is how you make your hormones. So, um, and then we need to have high quality proteins coming in. That's going to balance our blood sugar. And it's also going to help with regards to giving you amino acids so your liver can detox appropriately, which is another one of the fundamentals, which is the hormone detox. So you've got to love up your liver like crazy. When you come off of birth control, you don't need to actively detox the hormone out of your system. Like your liver and your gut are doing that already, but you need to support them in doing that. So sometimes women are like, I can't, I won't be able to get these hormones out unless like I do a liver detox. No, your, your body's going to find a way, but there are things that are key and that you can support. And as I talk about in the book, hormonal birth control alters your liver and its function at the genetic and structural level. So you've it, it is. When you get into the research, when I was reading about liver tumors, we are, we didn't start diagnosing benign liver tumors in women to the degree that we do now until we introduced hormonal birth control. And I was like, gee, nobody ever told me about that. Mm-hmm. The, like I could develop tumors. And the research will say, well, they're just benign tumors. Like it's not cancerous, except that they're prone to rupture. I mean, that's an organ that receives a whole lot of blood flow. So they're prone to rupture and it's a part of your liver you can no longer use. Like that's important. This is a very key organ. So that is, you know, number two of the fundamentals. Now, the other is that we have to identify your hormone imbalance. So what is your hormone imbalance? Because not every woman experiences the same. Some have androgen excess. Maybe they had PCOS or maybe they now have pill-induced PCOS. Mm -hmm. Other women have estrogen dominance. Some women are struggling with their thyroid and their cortisol levels. And so in the book, I give you a quiz. You go through the quiz to identify your hormone imbalance. And then you actually have right away, it's like, okay, this is your hormone imbalance. Go read this chapter and go to this section. And this is what the protocol that you want to use. And um, my publishers were actually like, well, no, we want to encourage every woman to read the book all the way through. Like, well, yeah, they can, but like if you have estrogen dominance and it's pretty bad and you read a book and it's like, you have estrogen dominance, now read another 300 pages to get to the solution. You're going to rip the book in half and throw it across the room. Like we, <laughs> we can't do that to women. Like we've hey, got to get. you can tell a woman wrote this book, right? No, right? It's like, get in and get out. Like yep. get no, in no. and get what you need and then come back. Because well, mostly it's really... in this society too. I mean, in this society, if they don't, you don't find the answer in a reasonable period of time, you either think it's. It's going to be a book milking me for the next book or, but they want answers and they want to move forward. 
Totally, totally. Yeah. And women, you know, th- that is something that like, understand this book is meant to be a reference guide to your body that yeah. you can go back to and you can come back to over and over and it really should serve you in your lifetime. So, I mean, uh, th- you know, to think about it right now, like, I mean, Amazon keeps putting the book on sale and I'm like, wow, to have this reference guide for the rest of your life to guide you in your doctor's visits is like mm-hmm. pretty amazing resource. No, I agree. So, um, the other fundamentals are to heal your gut. That's absolutely paramount. We've got to heal leaky gut. We've got to replenish um, the microbiome and feed them what they need to thrive. So mm-hmm. getting in bone broth, fiber-rich foods is an absolute must. And with that, you know, please understand if you're listening to this that the research has said hormonal birth control, its impact on your gut flora, which is we're understanding like your gut bugs do everything. It is that it's, it's they liken it and they compare it to antibiotics. But nobody stays on antibiotics for decades at a time. Like we're in a really interesting place in society where we have women now who started hormonal birth control, like, you know, months after getting their period and don't get off of it until menopause. Like they've never ovulated on their own their entire life. And like, I'm like, where are the studies on this? Like, where are this evidence-based medicine to say this is okay Nowhere. You know it. I know it. It doesn't exist. And uh, it's bad healthcare. It's just bad healthcare. And that's the frightening thing of this. Okay. So, so just so you know, I know you're going to be amazed, but we're already at our, our max on our, our podcast, which, (laughs) which creates a a major issue. And that means that we're going to have to invite you back. Okay. We'll have to go round two because we've still got to talk about repairing metabolic mayhem. That's right. (laughs) That's what we're writing down metabolic mayhem. That's exactly it. But I will tell you in a book that is moderately thicker but is not it's not one of those big monster books it's the print of it is actually big enough i can see it so (laughs) it means that you can actually get through this read but i will tell you first of all i need to step back and just compliment you um i've i've done uh thousands of interviews over my uh 22 years of of healthcare and uh, podcast and uh, radio and locally and nationally and internationally. And this is one of those groundbreaking books of content that I know you're going to take this and you're just going to keep building on. So I just want to compliment you on that um, and oh, well, let you know you. that it takes a lot of guts. Um, most folks want to just do their job and go home and take care of their kids and kick the dog. And well, we don't kick dogs anymore. So never mind. The no. Okay? <laughs> no, we're kicking the dog. Um, but most do, and you're not. So I, I want you to hear clearly. I've seen and interviewed a lot. This is, this is fabulous work and I, and I appreciate it. And I appreciate you coming on. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's been such an honor to speak with you and your audience. I appreciate your support in getting this message out and supporting women everywhere. We need more male allies. That's for sure. Absolutely. So beyond the pill, Dr. Jolene Brighton, and we'll look for you next time. And may God bless. Amy Baker, Dr. Sean Benzinger. Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts. For the well-being of yours. That's right. Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheck at humarian.com.